Hello there, it's Peter Mansbridge, host of The Bridge, where we reflect on the issues of the day and how they could impact you. Politics, public health, technology, they are just some of the topics you'll hear about. Cut through the clutter and tune into The Bridge, a serious XM podcast available everywhere. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. Two weeks since her death. As people have had time to mourn the Queen or not, as they see fit, we can talk about this now, right? There's no shortage of evidence that it was tradition and personal affection for the Queen that played a huge role in Canada's participation as a Commonwealth nation well into the 21st century. I say no shortage of evidence because every time you ask Canadians whether it was last year or last week, you get roughly the same answers. More than half of those surveys say Canada should replace the monarchy. One quarter would keep this form of government in place, while almost the same number of people are unsure. 58% agree the federal government should hold a referendum on the future of the monarchy in Canada. Polls show that Canadians' desire to drop the monarchy is already at an all-time high at 45%. So if more than half of Canadians want to get rid of the monarchy, it's important to figure out exactly what that would entail, how possible it is, and what kinds of things are feasible now, or will have to wait till later. None of these decisions will be easy. There will always be disagreements about the role of the monarchy in this country. Some things, though, are far more likely than others. There are measures that would leave us connected to the United Kingdom and the royal family, only much less visibly. And there are others, like ditching the monarchy entirely to become a republic, that get really, really complicated. So in the months and years to come, as other Commonwealth nations contemplate their own next steps, what will Canada do? Do we have the appetite to make a clean break? Could we realistically do that, even if we wanted to? And yes, what will we do about the faces on the money? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Stephen Marr is a journalist and an author. He looked into this subject for iPolitics.ca. We find him in Atlantic Canada, preparing for Fiona. Hello, Stephen. Good day. How are you doing? I am doing all right. And, you know, surely now that the Queen is safely put to rest, this is, is this an appropriate time now to discuss this? I think we are allowed now. I personally held off on it until um, the funeral because, you know, many people have had strong feelings about the Queen. I had strong feelings about the Queen. I was surprised at the, at, at how saddened I was by her passing. She's one of those public figures who uh, we, we felt that we knew, even though we didn't, you know, she was a part of our life for a long time. And I think our feelings for people of my generation, at least, I think that our feelings about her were kind of linked to our feelings about our older female relatives. So maybe that I was going to ask you this question anyway, but it plays right into it. Why do you think there is an appetite now to revisit uh, the monarchy's role in Canada as opposed to when Queen Elizabeth II was alive? Well, as long as she was alive, I, I felt that there was a, a, a very strong sense of connection between her and her subjects in Canada. 
that for a lot of people, especially older people, especially older people of um, British heritage, there was a, a kind of profound connection to her. She was obviously very good at the job. She, she exuded duty, dignity, responsibility. Now, though, the situation is different, I think. How so? Well, Charles, our new king, comes across as kind of a stuffy and imperious kind of figure. People who followed the news during his marriage difficulties developed, you know, sort of opinions about him. I don't doubt that that he will change, you know, and and be dignified in this role. Uh, but it, even the fact of the the, I found myself thinking, well, oh wait, so he's already the new king. I I must have missed the election. It starts to seem kind of anachronistic that you have this transfer of power to someone who has not been selected except through his, his family ties. And I also think that there is, if, if you look at the, the way that Canada has changed from the coronation of the Queen to the coronation of Charles, it is a vastly more multicultural society, much more independent. And there is a large, a great number of Canadians come from cultural backgrounds where people can be expected to have very different feelings toward British Empire and the royal family and the institution of the monarchy. And it seems reasonable to me to think about that, whether this institution is still a good fit for our society. Well, and this is where uh, we get to the point where it is time to talk about this, because if the Queen meant so much to uh, older Canadians or Canadians who just grew up with her, particularly, let's be honest, white Canadians who grew up with her, what about the people to whom it, the monarchy, and she meant the opposite? Like, this is... Queen Elizabeth is at rest. This is the time to listen to their voices, right? And, and there have been some people who've made some some pretty impressive statements about this. Yes. And I, I would just note that it's not just white Canadians, because I know uh, I'm talking to you from Nova Scotia, from Acadie, from Mi'kma'ki. There's a lot of Irish people here. Right. There's a, a lot of people who, for historical reasons, and not just white people, may have mixed feelings about the history of British imperialism, right? You know, and I, I think of just this area here, you had the expulsion of the Acadians, the centralization of uh, Mi'kmaq people, the residential schools, uh, you know, the century or so where, where the Crown did not honor the peace and friendship treaties with the Mi'kmaq people, the Irish potato famine, the many South Asians, you know, people from uh, the former British holdings in India and Pakistan, Bangladesh. There was many people killed in starvation there associated with the empire. So, and the large population of people from, particularly in Toronto, their roots in uh, the British Caribbean. You know, when you start thinking through this, a fairly large number of Canadians now would have reason for complicated, at least, feelings about this institution. So let's start then with the biggest possible step that Canada could take. What would it take for us to fully and completely just remove ourselves from the Commonwealth and the monarchy and become a republic? What would actually have to happen? Well, you don't get very far thinking about that because the first thing that you would have to uh, have 
is the unanimous agreement of all 10 provinces, the House of Commons, and I believe the Senate. Hmm. Uh, and that, um, because of the amending formula that was agreed on when uh, Pierre Trudeau uh, won the support of the provinces to repatriate, to repatriate the Constitution, uh, that, that would be impossible. There is no realistic possibility that Alberta and Quebec and all, all the provinces would agree on this without saying, well, if we're going to open this, then right. we've got this other thing we want to talk about first. So you can, we can basically forget about that. And would we want that to happen even if we did? Would Canada want to be a republic? And I realize uh, I'm not asking you to speak for Canada here, but what, what are the downsides uh, to getting rid of a constitutional monarchy? So the, the great thing about constitutional monarchy is that it works really well. I've, I've been covering politics for a long time, and when I started, I was a fairly straightforward republican. I thought this was an anachronistic, ridiculous institution. As I learned more about the way our system functions and watched what happens in other societies, I have come to think that there is a lot to recommend the form of the constitutional monarchy, which means that you have a separation between the embodiment of the state and the sort of guarantor of the constitution and the executive and legislative actors. So I think it's splendid that we have someone in the form of the governor general who sort of supervises the electoral system in a sense. I think there's something really good about that. I think it's good that we have somebody who hands out commendations and medals who is not a partisan actor. If you look at the way we're so polarized in this country right now, for many people, the mere sight of, of Justin Trudeau causes them displeasure and makes them angry. We have someone who is apart from that, who we can kind of see as the embodiment of the country. If you compare republics to, or, or presidential republics with strong presidencies to parliamentary systems around the world, the track record is much stronger, much better. In my article, I compared the way the British were able to get rid of Boris Johnson to the way Amer the Americans were kind of stuck with Donald Trump. I think powerful presidencies are unstable and dangerous because they, they put all the power in the hands of one person. So whatever we did were to do, I, I, I don't think we should, we should risk the tremendous stability that has come from this system in, in Canada. Uh, if, if we were to risk that, I don't think we would have to risk that to make the kind of changes that are possible. But, you know, that, that part of our system is really excellent. We, our, our elections are always seen as legitimate. We don't have constitutional crises. So in some ways, it's an excellent system. Hello there, it's Peter Mansbridge, host of The Bridge, where we reflect on the issues of the day and how they could impact you. Politics, public health, technology, they are just some of the topics you'll hear about. Cut through the clutter and tune into The Bridge, a serious XM podcast available everywhere. So let's talk about this from 
where we've ended up. On the one hand, you have a country uh, that's probably less than enthusiastic about King Charles, and you have a significant percentage of the population in that country that has active reasons, shall we say, to to look down on the monarchy or to or reasons that the monarchy has not been great for their family or their history. And we want to keep the constitutional monarchy first because it works and second because we can't really reopen the constitution anyway, which leaves us with what can we do to remove the monarchy without reopening that constitution? So we can do quite a lot, I think. And I've talked to, um, exchanged emails with Philip Legasse uh, about this, constitutional expert, Carleton University. And I, I've read his uh, uh, writing on this. And I, this is something that I've bid and discussed with people over time. So it appears that what we could do is essentially remove the mentions of the royal family from a lot of our public life. We could take the royals off our money. I personally find it. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got somebody at my door. Hey, buddy. I'm I'm just doing a, an interview right now. Can I? Uh... I just one question. Yes. Do you want some rope? No, I got lots of rope. Okay. That's the Hollywood. Thanks. Thing. I'll uh, I'll pop. I'll say hi after. Right. Sorry. Are you all right there, uh, Jordan? Can you hear me? We are great. Just mentioning that Stephen is battening down the hatches for this weekend's storm in Atlantic Canada. Yeah, so uh, we we ought to be able to um, take them off the money, change the oaths, and there are further steps we could take through legislation to increase the independence of the office of the governor general. But we're not entirely, it's not entirely clear how far we could go there. Well, you say in your piece that the governor general role in particular could use uh, what you call a fresh coat of paint. What does that mean? Well... I think that we have a problem in that prime ministers have a kind of ambigu- ambiguous feelings about enhancing the office because the, the sort of ceremonial side uh, of the governor general, prime ministers really like doing that stuff. They, they, they have a tendency, I think, to want to play at presidents, at being president, you know, at embodying the nation and symbolizing the nation. I think if we were to diminish the role of the monarchy in Canada, it would make sense to take steps to enhance the legitimacy and increase the profile of the governor general. In Australia, at one point, they started calling their governor general the Australian head of state. Officially, the queen is our head of state. If we start saying, or sorry, the king, rather, I'm still not used to that. But if we start saying that the governor general is our head of state, you know, the monarchists would would complain. But in a sense, by saying it, it would kind of be true. You know, there's sort of constitutional gray areas here. But the, the problem that I see with all of this is that prime ministers, who are the ones who control this kind of thing, have reason to not want to enhance that office. What do you think it would take to take, and I'm throwing this out here because you mentioned it and because it is probably the most you know public-facing, recognizable step we could take. What would it take to get the queen, or now the king, off the money? Is it just a, a vote in Ottawa, a decision by the prime minister? What happens? Yeah, as as I understand, this is uh, there would not have to be a vote. Uh, it's you know the the government could just decide uh, that you know they want to put Canadians on the money and take the faces of the royals off. So, um, 
which, you know, that's a big step. Um, and I'm kind of waiting for someone to talk about this. Um, and so far, no one has. Um, the polling shows that Canadians have ambiguous feelings or are not enthusiastic about Charles. But it doesn't tell us necessarily much about how bothered people by the, are by this. And, and in the reaction to my article, I saw people saying, well, don't we have better things to worry about? And it seems to me that that's the, um, uh, the best thing that the monarchy has going for it in Canada right now in terms of public opinion is people may not care that much. That's what, I, what to me is necessary for us to determine. Well, what has uh, Justin Trudeau said about this? It's it's kind of been pretty telling uh, in terms of his read on if Canadians care about it. Yes. So uh, while the Commonwealth leaders were gathering in London, the leaders of New Zealand, Australia, the Bahamas, I think Jamaica, a number of countries all said, well, yes, this is something that uh, we move towards, something we're going to talk about. This is not the moment, but yes, this is on the agenda. Justin Trudeau's comments were in contrast to that. He said, we're not thinking about that. We're focused on inflation and cost of living. You know, he, he really seemed to be signaling that that is not interested in that question at all. Given that, uh, and given, as you mentioned, how polarized we are, is that something you could see either the NDP or the Conservative Party taking up whether or not, and this is me being cynical, whether or not they actually have plans to do it or really believe in it, or just using it as a cudgel to bludgeon Trudeau? I wonder, yes. Uh, and in particular, I, I'm curious to see whether uh, Jagmeet Singh may be interested in in um, discussing this, because I, I think that in particular, a lot of multicultural millennial voters who are important to the New Democrats I would guess, would may find the um, connection to the royal family to be anachronistic or out of step with their sense of a modern multicultural Canada. So far, I haven't seen Mr. Singh say or do anything about this. And these political parties have uh, mechanisms for measuring public opinion than just opinion polls, right? So they, they often, the best way to figure out how people feel about things is by watching uh, the way politicians talk about them because the politicians have these fairly elaborate machines for getting a sense of the mood of the country. So that's the big question mark I have going forward is are we going to see Jagmeet Singh or maybe even Mr. Polyev? There's a, a sort of re Republican streak, particularly uh, Western conservatism. So it's, that's not entirely out of the question either. Obviously, in the months to come, uh, whether this discussion picks up steam or just completely fizzles away will determine where this goes from here. But if I had to ask you to bet me right now that the queen or the new king will still be on the money in 10 years, would you take that bet? I don't know. I don't know. I would be inclined to say no. The the that this is something that we're we're going to want to put our own people on the money. But in advance of a, of a public discussion, it's hard to know, right? In, it, until you actually have a debate and people get somewhat engaged in it and you have arguments, it's really hard to, to judge how people feel about this without that. And it's probably now or never to have that debate, right? Because if we let this go for six months or a year, everybody's just going to forget about it. 
I'm not sure, though, because, I mean, I think that it'll come up if we see Australia and the uh, Bahamas, Jamaica, you know, it'll tend to kind of bubble up. It's an issue that we may see debated at policy conventions for the political parties. It has been debated before by young liberals. You know, will someone say, OK, well, we're not going to become a republic, but we should Canadianize the currency, right? That's that's how you could frame it. And see what the support for that is until the until that kind of thing happens i think it's a it's a little bit difficult to to put your finger in the air and figure out how canadians really feel about it well i for one would like to spend a terry fox toonie one day i think that would be good i i think terry fox lucy maud montgomery is the other one who uh the uh who wrote uh, the anna green gables book and you can think of lots of other people uh, uh banting the you know, some of our medical, uh, we live in a better world because of what they did. Terry Fox, Lucy Maud Montgomery, Banting. It would be interesting to see, and I'm sure there would be uh, political debates over that as well. Yes, so I, I hope that, that we'll have this this conversation. But on the other hand, I'm also open to the, <laughs> the possibility that people have better things to worry about. Fair enough. And Stephen, you have bigger things to worry about now with Fiona headed to Atlantic Canada. So be safe out there this weekend and thank you for your time. Thank you, Jordan. Bye-bye. Stephen Marr is battening down the hatches, and we wish him and everybody listening to this from Atlantic Canada the best this weekend. Be safe. That was The Big Story. For more, head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. Find us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN or email us, hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can find this podcast wherever you get them. Remember to like, rate, Review, follow, whatever you can, it all helps. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Have a great weekend, all of you, and we'll talk on Monday. Hello there, it's Peter Mansbridge, host of The Bridge, where we reflect on the issues of the day and how they could impact you. Politics, public health, technology, they are just some of the topics you'll hear about. Cut through the clutter and tune into The Bridge, a Sirius XM podcast available everywhere.